mic. That's all right. <laughs> What's up, man? I told Little you. Late, man. It's on. It's on. We started Chopping late. sucks, brother. No, it's all good. Dude, this area of Tyson's is ridiculous. Ah, dude. Yeah. Hate it. Hate it. Yeah. You know what I always think about with Tyson's is like, it's just such a random sort of pop-up area where there's like very little culture. It's all just corporate high-rises. And like for me, being like a coffee guy, it's like, there's there's not a single like coffee shop with actual like, you know, vibes, like cool vibes. It's all corporate. It's all like Starbucks and Pete's and like those types of things. It's just a, kind of an interesting area. Well, they want to get you in and get you out, man. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, it's how many, it's like McDonald's thing, right? I mean, how many cheeseburgers have they served you know 100 trillion cheeseburgers that's yeah. that's what they're after right yeah. It's, oh yeah we, five thousand cups of coffee today all right get out yeah. who's next yeah yeah and nobody's looking to have conversations or it's yeah it's all business it's that's, all people in suits and it's like barbershops right yeah. they're they're gone yeah nobody, nobody talks anymore yeah. nobody says hello you know most yeah. people don't speak the same language everybody's speaking something different right? yeah it's always <laughs> yeah. A, always a struggle man so i see you got your jeans on Friday. Jeans <laughs> Friday, man. You yeah, know, it's I, a big deal. It's funny because I even asked you, is it okay if I wear jeans today? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think everybody has it. And it's, you know, it's, it's always good to put on a nice, comfortable pair of jeans, right? Yeah. But is it, you think for Fridays, it's actually about the comfort? Or is it something deeper that Americans with jeans on Friday? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it goes back to the, the old cowboys, you know, like the Wild West. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure there's more to it, right? I mean, yeah. I think people are more relaxed yeah right I mean a little less uh, uh, less uppity you know less business yeah you know more casual yeah you know what I think about is like when I'm putting on jeans is like okay now I have these options for shoes so that's kind of the comfort in my mind because when you think about it like a pair of dress pants you're still wearing the same socks and underwear and like it feels about the same but like the shoe options become so much more open yeah and that comfort (laughs) I mean I'm I'll be honest, I've got like uh, three pairs of sneakers. I've got one for running, which I don't run. Uh-huh. I've got one for just wearing, and then I've got my Chuck Taylors, which you know, I kind of wear anytime. Yeah. You know, so I don't have much of a selection, but it is nice to, uh, you know, like I said, just be comfortable and have options. Yeah. So I, I would say I'm a shoe guy, but I don't like buy that many very often. Sure. Like my wife, she teaches fitness, and so she's got like, her thing is like gym shoes. So she's always, you know, switching it up, getting a new pair. And I'll wear the same pair of, like, gym shoes for, like, a year and switch them out. But, hmm. um, yeah. I'm like kids, crazy. right? I mean, how many, how many pairs of shoes do you go through with kids? Dude, my kids wear the same pair of shoes. They have a couple pair. They have their, like, school shoes, yeah. play shoes, and then they have their, like, nice shoes. Yeah. And they just need a couple pairs as they, as they move up. Yeah. Your kids ever, uh, I mean, growing up in a, in a neighborhood, you know, riding bikes... Especially boys, you know. I don't. I've never had this problem with girls, but my boys, for whatever reason, when they ride their bike, they have to drag their toes on the ground to stop. They won't use the brakes to stop. So you know, we'll get two months into the school year, and they both have, you know, two pairs of shoes that have their big toes sticking out. <laughs> and, and I and I always feel bad because. I know they're going to school, and the teachers are probably wondering, what the heck is wrong Dude, with this we got to call CPS. This yeah, is dead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's sad that I even think that way, right? I mean, yeah. that's the first thing that pops in my head, but I'm, I'm not buying another pair of shoes. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, guys, Christmas is uh, you know, three months away. You'll get a pair of shoes at that point. Yeah. All right, Christmas and birthdays is when they get shoes. That's it. Yeah. So back to the Jeans Friday thing. Yeah. Actually, one thought. When you were teaching your kids, your boys, how to ride a bike, like, what was your method? Well, so I'm, I'm ashamed to say it. <laughs> Okay. 
I learned how to ride a bike when I was like seven years old, right? It took me a while. Mm-hmm. But my, uh, my boys, because we originally were living on a farm, so we didn't have any area that they could ride bikes. So my daughters knew how to ride bikes, but my boys never knew how to ride a bike, which is kind of, I guess, bad parenting, right? Bad fatherly stuff. <laughs> but we, uh, we actually moved into a neighborhood uh, about four or five months ago, and all the boys in the neighborhood ride their bikes. So they had to quickly learn how to ride a bike, and they wouldn't tell anybody. They didn't know how to ride a bike. So I'm thinking, all right, here come the injuries. You know, here comes a broken arm, something. Yeah. But they went down the street to one of the neighbor's house, and my six-year-old, about an hour later, was flying by on a bike. Wow. Like, like he'd been riding for years. And I thought, oh, that's going to be embarrassing for my nine-year-old because my nine-year-old <laughs> still can't ride a bike. Yeah. So my six-year-old actually taught my nine-year-old how to ride a bike about 30 minutes later. Dude. And now we can't keep him off of a bike. So it's kind of, yeah. I could claim no success or role in any of that. Yeah. So my six-year-old is now to a place where he's just feeling the balance. And uh, this is kind of applicable to life. This isn't my idea. I was reading a blog like, that's how do you teach your son how to ride a bike who's kind of like careful and doesn't want to get dirty doesn't want to get hurt and uh, it was really smart because he said take him to a like a downward slope a grassy hill and tell him hey we're on grass you're gonna fall but it's not gonna hurt that bad right whereas I think most parents will start him on pavement and put the helmet on and maybe the the elbow and knee guards and all that and kind of let him go and they're gonna fall and it's gonna hurt but this way, he was. As soon as I told him you're gonna fall, his he looked at me like something changed. Like, what did you just say, Dad? I'm gonna fall. I said, Yeah, you're gonna fall, and it's gonna, but it's not gonna hurt. But that's the way you're actually gonna learn is through falling. And then he kind of like he fell a few times, and he realized it didn't really hurt that bad. And then you know he's not quite there, but I think that's what it took. And like the mindset was like, the fear. Yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to face it and know what's gonna happen. But you know. It's so like, uh, you know, now, now how do you teach adults that, right? That yeah. you're going to fall in yeah. life. Yeah. It's not going to hurt. Yeah. You know? When you think about Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, that's what they were all about. We yep. failed many, many times. We've missed the last shot at the end of the game many, many times, but that's why they were who they were. Kept on going. Yeah. Okay, so back to the jeans. What were you going to say on that? <laughs> so it's, it's uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about it more, and I think there's definitely a deeper meaning meeting right because I think you know for me I like to have you know meetings with my team on Mondays right that's just it, to me it's always been all right the start to a new week like here we go here's what we're going to work on here's what we did last week great job now it's it's on to the next but I was actually asking one of my uh, you know one of my senior guys the other day just kind of saying hey you know what I never took the time to ask like what, what's best for you guys right is it would you prefer to have a meeting on Monday is it Tuesday is it in the morning is it the afternoon mm-hmm and uh, he said Fridays, and I kind of I was like Fridays, like that wasn't one of the options basically. Like, what do you <laughs> yeah. mean Fridays? Yeah. But I said okay, why? And you know he looked at me. He's like because everybody's in jeans. He's like everybody's relaxed. Everybody's you know kind of looking forward to the weekend. You can you know they're a little more open, right? So they'll actually tell you a little bit more. They'll share a little bit more. And it dawned on me. I'm like holy crap! Like I've been having meetings with my team every Monday for the last ten years. Yeah. Have I been doing it wrong this whole time? Like, yeah. And I think I have, because I think that's that's a good point, right? Because a lot of times, like, we'll have a we have like a, a morning kickoff meeting where the whole team's there at eight thirty, and after that, I go straight into one on ones. 
Uh -huh. So who wants to meet with their boss Monday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning for a one-on-one, -on -one, tell me what you did, tell me what you're going to do? Yeah. Nobody does. No. Right? So they're, they're on edge right away or... You know, especially after the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're not, you know, maybe they're not 100% firing all cylinders. But on Fridays, everybody's in a good mood. So yeah. you could probably get a little more out of it. Yeah. It's crazy to think about, like, the social conditioning, like, of, I mean, from the time you entered the workforce, what do you associate, like, Friday, Jeans Day? It's going to be a pretty good day. It's going to yep. be a chill day, right? <laughs> especially in the corporate world. Like, this is kind of our day to chill, um, you know. And I, I started thinking, like, what about, like, in other cultures? Hmm. Like, what's the dress-down day for, like, if you wear a kilt? Or you wear a, what are the Indians, like, a sari? Yeah, like, what yeah. are some of the other things? Like, do they Burkas have those things? Burkas? Like, do they? <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> I wonder, know. I wonder if they have yeah. similar things. Like, hey, well, on this day, we can kind of relax. So let's, um, I don't know. I well, don't know what I, it is. I'm sure there is. And, and it's funny, speaking of uh, different cultures, you know, not the to get off topic, but you're, you're a diehard coffee guy, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's funny. I was talking to one of my people yesterday and she sent me a YouTube video of how they prepare coffee in Ethiopia. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like a big deal. Like, oh yeah. It's not just like, it's Hey, like let's the birthplace. It's coffee. crazy, yeah. man. Like first off the, it's always a, it's always a female, right? The women always do it. Hmm. Men don't do it. They're not allowed to do it. They don't want to do it. But what they do is they actually, come out, they roast the beans. Like, on the spot, oh, you want a cup of coffee? Come on over. They all sit around the table. She roasts the beans. Then she grinds it up by hand. And it's a, it's a, I think it's a three, like three doses. The first cup is really strong. The second cup is kind of medium. The third cup is very light. But you have yeah. to have three separate cups. It's not just a 12-ounce cup of coffee. It's three four-ounce cups of coffee. But it was amazing. Yeah. It was yeah. like, and they're all dressed up. Like, it was... It's great. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. That's wild. So check this out. I was thinking last night, going back to like the conditioning and like how you grow up. So I go to the pantry, get a Pop-Tart. And when I eat Pop-Tarts, like it's just one of those things I have to have milk. Yeah. Right? Like you can't that. eat a Pop-Tart with like water. Like you can maybe do coffee. Um, go to the fridge and of course like always... When you, whenever you want something, you got four kids, like there's like a centimeter of milk at the bottom, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh man, this is painful. I got to eat this Pop-Tart without milk. But I was thinking like, what if, let's, let's use Oreos, right? From the time we had our first Oreo as kids, it was always like, you want some milk with that, right? So now as, you know, middle-aged dads, when we want Oreos, you have to have milk with it, right? Okay. So I was thinking like, okay, what if... Um, and this is deep thoughts with Nate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what if our kids or every baby that's born from today forward, whenever you took out an Oreo and you gave them their first Oreo, you gave it with a side of V8. Just to train them. Right? <laughs> and said, and everybody just knew that, like, it's got that salty sweet combination. So, like, every kid growing up 20, 30 years from now, they're going to go to the fridge when they're eating Oreos and they're thinking, like, where's the V8? There's only a centimeter of V8. Who drank all the V8? <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> I don't know if I want to go in your mind. Yeah. But I was like, it's kind of wild how those things happen. Like, the jeans, the Oreos with milk, like, it's... And that's why I always think, like, well, if there's a disagreement, like, what's your perspective on this? Mm -hmm. Because I have... I grew up in western Colorado, white family, you know, not a lot of culture, like Irish, Swedish, 
Um, but so often it's like we don't we have no idea what's going on in that other person's head based on the way they grew up or yeah. their, their conditioning, their lens, their lens they have on their life. So I don't know, just a thought. It's funny. So all right. So speaking of combinations, right? Um, I don't know if you like grilled cheese. Yeah. Right? But I, I love grilled cheese. Yeah. And what soup? Or I don't know if you eat soup with grilled cheese, but what soup do you pair with grilled cheese? Probably tomato. Tomato. Tomato Thank basil. So, yeah. so I'm not crazy yeah. for wanting that. So my entire family, my wife and my four children, anytime they make grilled cheese, they always make chicken noodle soup, clam chowder. They'll make any kind of soup under the sun. And I'll say, I'll get home and I'll go, no tomato soup? And every one of them looks at me like I am the most disgusting creature to ever walk near them. Every single time. They make fun of me. Yeah. They mock me. So I'll go to the store and I will just pick up one can of tomato soup for myself yeah. when I know that we're having grilled cheese. But the more people I talk to, case in point right here, the more I realize that I'm not the one that's odd. They're the ones that are odd. Yeah. Because I think my odd. wife has brainwashed all four of them secretly. She secretly has brainwashed all four of them to not like tomato did soup. Did she eat grilled cheese growing up? Your wife? Yeah, but not with tomato soup. But you did. Yeah. As a kid, yeah. That's what I'm saying. With milk. Got to make it with milk, too. It's got to be nice and creamy. Yeah. Not water. There's something weird where tomato-based things I like to have with milk. Like, if I have spaghetti... Oh, yeah, dude. Got to have milk. I get made fun of for that, too. It's crazy, right? Yeah. But I can drink milk with anything. I I love milk. Yeah. I love milk. Whole milk. That's that's usually what I I can't do it with certain things. Like, if I have pizza, I have to have soda. Like, I can't really see pizza in milk, but, yeah. I bet, you know, you guys go through a ton of milk. Ton of milk. Yeah. Not as much as we used to, right? Like when, when the kids were little and that's all they drank was milk. Yeah. And I think we went through, I'd say, you know, probably four, between four and six gallons a week. Yeah. Now it's probably like one or two gallons a week. Yeah. So, and it's usually me consuming it. Yeah. Um, or, you know, my kids love uh, like cinnamon toast crunch. And, Dude, my kids too. But they'll obsessed. put the milk in it. They'll put an entire bowl of milk in the cereal. So, and then they'll eat all the cereal, but they're still three quarters of a bowl of milk left and they dump it out. And I just cringe because it's precious milk. Yeah. But now I'm going to run into it where I'm going to come down one morning to eat breakfast and there's going to be, you know, like you said, two little drops of milk and I'm going to go, Yeah, somebody right, put this yeah, back yeah, in the fridge. Yeah, who did this? <laughs> yeah. Dude. So I play little dude, games my with my kids them. are savages with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, dude, it's I don't nice. know what it is. It's great. I yeah. love it. And it's funny, like another cultural thing, like my wife grew up in South Texas. She's like Mexican. Um, and they never had cereal growing up and Hmm. like it was always like bean and egg and like kind of that Mexican style breakfast rice beans eggs chorizo all that good stuff so that's like a thing where we don't necessarily see eye because we always grew up eating cereal for breakfast like that's our thing so we kind of like I'm okay with them every morning getting cereal and milk but if it's like sugary then she's thinking like it's not healthy like we need to get them like eggs 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 so we kind of like have tried to find that balance like, what does the breakfast need to look like? Yeah. What part of uh, Texas? San Antonio. Yeah. yeah. I love, uh, you ever been to Anita's? Yeah. That's the, like, southwestern. Yeah. So that Tex-Mex See, I'm not a huge here. fan. I like their breakfast tacos. Yeah, well, those are good. Yeah. I yeah. like, because they what they do is every dish they have, they have a different sauce. Mm-hmm. The sauces are just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. so, so freaking good. Yeah. Man. Yeah. All right, so let's let's talk about 
you know, since we're talking about jeans, I mean, you broached that subject and, you know, kind of led to work and Jeans Friday. Let's talk about just, you know, things that happen at work in general, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all, well, we don't all, but most people, you know, if you've looked at the latest unemployment report reports, most people are working in this country. Right? Everybody's, the economy's booming, everything's good. Yeah. But one of the critical things about work is you got to get paid for it. Yeah. Right? So, and I know that, you know, the topic always comes up when you're talking to people in terms of, you know, what are you worth, right? What am I worth? What are you worth? What do you think I'm worth? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind when you're thinking of, you know, salary, money, whatever it is, it's you may be worth more than what you're getting paid, mm -hmm. but that doesn't really mean anything to most companies, right? Most yeah. companies look at it as I've got an opening, I've got a budget. Where do you fit in that budget? Are you going to meet the budget or are you going to exceed the budget? And let's figure it out. So when you, let's say, I mean, you recently you know, transitioned out of one world and then into another world. Yeah. But when you started those conversations, you know, how did you, you know, we'll call it negotiate yeah. your, your salary, right? Like, how, how does I mean, that yeah. work typically? Traditionally, it's here's what I'm making now. I want to get a raise. Like, what percentage on the top? of what I'm already doing can I get, right? But it's it's an interesting thing because your identity is wrapped up in that number. Right. So, yeah, it's it can be a train wreck at times because, it, and, and you see it, it all the time, as a recruiter. It, it's, it's <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing that, you know, that is always hard is, you know, I always try to, to coach people on the fact of like, hey, listen, you know, to your point, what are you, what are you currently making? Right, and, and I think a lot of people, and, and we talked about this in a, you know, another discussion where most people are unwilling to give you the ground truth, right? Because they're yeah. they're afraid that they're going to show vulnerabilities, and how are you going to use it as leverage against me? And you know, so I, I think you know the one thing to remember is whatever you tell me you you know you need or you're looking for. If a company says, all right, let's say you you need I don't know a hundred thousand dollars a year to make ends meet. But a company tells you, oh, you're not worth that. You know, the, the yeah. most I'll pay is 85000 Always keep in mind that the, the company saying that doesn't truly mean that you're not worth that. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. you can always find a company that is willing to pay that. Yeah. Now, it might not be the company you want to work for, yeah. right? But there's a, you know, we talk about consequences, right? There's consequences to every decision, every action, every inaction. And there's good consequences and there's bad consequences, right? Yeah. So... Some company may come along and say, I'll pay you $150,000, but you're going to hate your life, you're going to be miserable, and here's what you're going to have to do for me. Yeah. You know, and, and I think you have to make that decision of, is that really what I want, right? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, in negotiations, what's, what's funny to me is companies, in my opinion, are not always transparent, right? They're not always giving you the, hey, here's exactly what I can pay. Yeah. What they're giving you is here's what I'd like to pay. Yeah. Because a lot of managers and higher ups are bonused off of the PL. Yeah. So if I know that I can pay hundred and thirty thousand, but if I can get this, you know, guy or gal at hundred and ten thousand, and I can do that with fifteen or twenty more people over the next year, and I'm gonna get a, you know, five percent return on the leftover money, yeah, then I'm incentivized to get you as low as I can. And I think what happens there is the trust factor is right off the bat, it's it's questionable, right? Yeah. Because you may be coming in to work for me and I'm happy because I'm like, ha, I got this great resource 
and I got him for $20,000 less than what he was looking for, but you're walking in the door going, hey, I think I got a good job, but they're paying me $20,000 less than what I need to pay my yeah. bills. Or that the market could provide me in another company. It's crazy. So you're not be happy. And it's, yeah. and it's, it's like, again, you know, in the, in the recruiting world, I mean, I always tell people, you know, like, let's say you, you need 100, and I'll ask you point blank, say, okay, well, would you consider a lateral? And you say, yeah, I, I could do a lateral. Okay, would you consider it coming a little lower? I might have some flexibility. Would you take 95? Yeah, I could do that. How about 90? No, I can't do 90. Okay, yeah. so somewhere between 92 to 95. I can't do 95 or 92. 95 is the lowest I'll take. No problem. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's, okay, are you sure? You've built a lifestyle at 100. You sure you could take a $5,000 cut? Well, yeah, it's going to cut down on my commute. I'm going to be working from home a couple of days, so I'm going to save money there. Okay, perfect. Because the last thing I want is for you to start a job, and usually it's the second or third paycheck. You know, so six weeks, eight weeks in, you get that paycheck, and you're going, oh, crap, I can't pay the mortgage. Or I can't pay this bill, or I can't pay that bill. And what happens is you come looking for someone like me with a pitchfork going, all right, damn it, you screwed me over, you lowballed me, this is what happened, and you're not happy. And yeah. I think you, you, you want to have it a win-win situation all around. Yeah. You want to feel that you were fairly paid. I want to feel that I paid fairly for a good resource. Yeah. And then we can all kind of take over the world and see what we're going to do. Yeah. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen yeah. most of the time. Yeah. So you've had a million of these conversations. Like what – and I haven't. I mean, I was in the government for a long time on the GS pay scale, so it's kind of just like a defined thing. But like what is the etiquette for – if if you say that question and there's a silence, like is the person like, like obviously I want the job, so eventually I have to say something, right? Yep. <laughs> because you're still the decision maker. But like, is it okay for you to ask me that question? Or like when, how, like what yep. is the etiquette around so that? So it's funny you say that. There's actually, uh, there's laws in several states right now, like California, um, I believe New York just passed it or is about to pass it, where you cannot ask somebody what they're currently making. Yeah. Right? Like it's against the law. Which is kind of, it's kind of crazy, right? I think it's a little overreaching on the government because, again, it is a negotiation, right? If I have a, I don't know, a piggy bank that I want to sell you at a yard sale, you know, I tell you I want $5 and you say, I'll give you 4 Now, imagine if someone stepped in and said, no, 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 you have to give him $5, right? Like, yeah. that's just, it's, it's kind of stupid. Yeah. I, I get the intent, but just as with most government programs, the intent is always to help solve problems, but it ends up creating 50 other problems, right? Yeah. So, but I, but I think, you know, a lot of times what I'll say is I'll ask, you know, I'll go back a couple jobs, right? As, as the employer, I'll go back a couple jobs because I think you're a little more open to talking about what you were making eight years ago, right? It's easier to say, oh yeah, I was making, you know, eight years ago, oh man, I was making $50,000 a year, right? Yeah. And then I'll say, okay, and why, why'd you leave that job, right? Was it, was, it, was it money, was it growth? And you go, oh, it was money, okay. Well, what did you get bumped up to? Yeah. Uh, 60000 Okay, great. And then you left that job because why? Oh, I got bumped up to 80000 Okay, and that puts you where you are now. So are you still making 80000 You've been there two years. Right? So it's like mm -hmm. without, you know, I wasn't tricking you, but I'm getting you a little more comfortable with what I'm saying. I don't really care where you are right now. Right? I, I really don't. But I want to know how do I compare it, right? Because if you're making $20,000 right now and you're telling me you need one hundred and fifty. Thousand, you got to help me justify that because yeah. there, there's it's really hard for me to say okay, what's the value in that? 
right? And you may say, well, I've been working for the same company for 25 years. Yeah. I've never gotten a raise. Well, that sucks. But I don't know if I should be the one that has to make up for, you know, the, the other company's mistakes or your, you know, lack of confidence, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's always a... It's always a touchy subject. Anytime you talk money, right? It's yeah. like, hey, yeah. what are you looking to make? Um, a lot of people get embarrassed about it. A lot of people get, I don't know, they're, they're just quiet because, again, they don't want you to use it against them. Um, but I think in most instances, the first person that talks usually kind of plays their hand a little too soon. Yeah. Right? Um, unless you can build trust and rapport with the recruiter or the manager you're dealing with, right? Because you can do that. And actually have a real conversation, it's a, it's a game changer, man. Because all of a sudden you're sitting there going, "Hey, man, this guy actually believes in me, or or has you know my best interest in mind." Yeah. But if you don't know what you need to be at, it's it's yeah. a tough argument. Yeah. Man. I mean, you got you know cost of benefits, right? That's yeah. that's a big thing that people don't know. They're like, "Hey, tell me now, what do you need to make?" Well, what if my insurance costs thirty thousand dollars a year? That's not apples yeah. to apples. Yeah. I think one uh, thing that my current company, I'm in a consulting firm now, did that made me trust them to some degree was they basically just told me, hey, here's the range for the level you're coming in at. Here's the corporate um, label we're going to give you. And here's the range for that label. So at least if I trusted that recruiter, I could say, okay, well, I at least feel comfortable that they're trying to get to that top end of what yep. that range is. So that I think that's a good strategy at least it kind of made me feel better about things as I, long as they were telling the truth i like that know? strategy right and it's it's funny because there's another group um in the tyson's area that that i respect the heck out of and uh, i actually introduced a gentleman uh, over there and he went through you know the interview process and finally got to the offer stage and they told him that you know he's got like 20 25 years of experience but they told him that he didn't qualify for a level five he only qualified for level four, which was like a twenty thousand dollars difference in salary, right? Okay. Big difference. Yeah. So he had called me and he was concerned. He's like, Hey, I really like the group, I really like what they're doing, I like everybody over there, but it's twenty thousand dollars less than what I need to just be at the minimum of where I need to be. And I said, uh, I said, Well, set up another conversation, right? Talk talk to the, the boss of that division, have a conversation. And he did. And at the end of that conversation, he got bumped up to a level five, and got his twenty thousand dollars to make him square. Yeah. Right. So, but it's sometimes you gotta, you gotta be willing to have those conversations. Don't just. I think sometimes people take an offer and they're like, "Oh, well, they lowballed me. Screw them. I'm going somewhere else." Instead yeah. of saying, "Well, wait a minute. Hold on. I, I want the job. Like, how bad do you want it? Call them up. Have a talk with them. Because yeah. worst thing they're gonna say is." Yeah, no, we're not bumping you up. And then you can go, okay, I'm out of here. I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of companies get that wrong, man. They just, because they're looking at, they're looking at it from the company's perspective. They're not looking at it from, hey, you know what? This guy's over budget, but the value that he's going to bring in the long run is going to be, you know, peanuts five years from now. No yeah. one cares because he's going to attract other people that want to come with him and make us great, right? And I think that's, that's the thing that just gets lost a lot of times, man. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. You, um, you know, speaking of, of again, work, right? Um, I, I want to tie this into a topic that, that I want to get your thoughts on. And it's always a discussion in the workplace, right? I don't know if it should be or shouldn't be. But I feel like uh, every day someone else is talking about the latest and greatest reality show. 
Okay. Right? Or, 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 you know, or something that happened on, you know, whatever, Real Housewives of Orange County or Real Housewives of L.A. or D.C. or what, There's like 500 Real Housewives yeah. shows. Yeah. Um, what, what is your take in general about, I don't know, like, uh, say, say, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, right? Let's start there. Yeah. So, I think reality TV has gotten to a place where there's very little reality going on. <laughs> And it's so funny to think about those first few reality shows that came out, you know, like Survivor. Yeah. What were some of the first ones? Yeah, Survivor. Uh, there was the one with Paris Hilton. And they were like, and everybody oh, thought it was like, man, this is real. And now, like, you watch The Bachelor, it's so scripted. It, especially, I watch it with my wife and daughter. And it's so funny how literally the same phrasing is used. You know, you're going to find somebody great. Like, every time a guy lets a girl go, or a girl you're going to find somebody who's going to love you. Like, it's just so scripted. And you know the the most dramatic people are never going to be off the show until, like, a certain amount of seasons in. Um, I was telling my wife and daughter the other night when we were watching The Bachelor, I said, because every season, these girls come into the mansion, the dude walks in, and from the bat, all of them are saying, I'm here for you, I'm here to find love, right? When everybody in the society knows they're here to grow their social media... Yep. They're here to meet famous people. They're here to, you know, get some sort of endorsement. They're here to, you know, everything but the dude, right? <laughs> so I was saying, you know, in, in the scenario where I was the bachelor, the first thing I would do is I would walk in and I would say, hey, I just want you guys to know that I realize that none of you are here for me. Right, <laughs> right off the bat. Let's keep it real, right? None of you are here for me. I know why you're here. And it's about you. You're all on social media, you all have blogs, you're all in either the fashion world, you're a model, um, you want to, you really just want to go, hang out with me on some cool vacations, you want to go to some cool places. Right, now that we have all that out of the way, maybe through random chance, I'll find love with one of you guys. But don't be coming at me with, you're here for me and I I feel like I love you. I love you, (laughs) episode two, I love you. Yeah. Um, But yeah. That's the general thing. I think like the Kardashians is the one that um, is pretty obvious now. That's pretty scripted. I mean, even as they're going through their days, like some of these things aren't just happening. Right. You know, these storylines and the way they're interacting and the fights that they get in. I think it. it I mean, it can be interesting because it's like famous people living a rich, wealthy, you know, celebrity-filled life. But well, you, it's not real. You want to you want to take it for what it is, right? I mean, when when something says reality TV, you want to think. That mm-hmm. it's reality TV, but I mean, in, in honesty, if it's on TV, it's not real. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's well, here's here's the thing that they're doing now in reality TV, and I'll use The Bachelor and the Kardashians as examples because that's really the only thing that I see. They now have reality within the reality. Have you noticed this? So, like, if you're if you're watching like Bachelor Tales, all right, where they come out on stage and there's something happening. The thing that has become the reality is like one of them will walk off and go into some back room, and the cameras will follow. And it's like the real reality within the reality. Or like, if something's happening on the Kardashians, right? And like something happens in real life. Let's say Scott Disick was out at a club and did something insane. And now there's going to be some big blow up. Or like one of the dudes that they're with cheated on him. And so they get a phone call as they're actually taping. And then it's like, they're like, oh, no, no, sorry, got to go. And then like a cameraman will follow them off to the side. And then you'll see like a conversation that... 
And that's actually how they're pitching the episodes now. Like, <laughs> it's not just about Straight the storyline. It's like, yeah. in this episode, you're going to see something real happen. <laughs> I mean, that's, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's funny, though, because, I, like, so my wife watches all these shows. And, and, you know, she watches them. She knows they're not reality, but she's entertained by it, right? Yeah. But it's funny because, you know, I'll talk about how when I was a kid, I mean, I grew up watching WWF, right? Not WWE, WWF, right? Okay. World Wrestling Federation, man. Yeah. Before the World Wildlife Federation stole the title. But, I mean, I grew up watching that. And, and that's become reality now. You right, that. but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, like, I never I never thought it was real. But, like, I'll say it, or, like, my, uh, my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter loves watching wrestling. I don't know why. She just loves it, right? Yeah. So anytime it's on, she'll watch it. Does and she, I'll watch does it. Does she lean towards the female the wrestlers? Yeah. Which, okay. you know, I kind of have a problem with because... I mean, I, I don't really know about their outfits if I want my daughter watching them. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I laugh because anytime it's on and my wife walks through, you know, the living room, she just shakes her head like, ugh, that, that stuff's not real. And I just, I laugh because every time she has her shows on and I walk, I'm like, this is so fake. So, so we're both addressing the same fact. Neither of them are real, but neither one of us will admit that what we watch is not real. Yeah, like we won't do it. It's <laughs> yeah. like, like I'm like, all right, you think that's real, but you think wrestling's fake? Like, uh, and yeah. I'll make some stupid. I'm like, these are these are true athletes. Oh, like they yeah. they get hurt, they break their arms, they break their legs. But I know it's all staged. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's yeah. it's all fake. All yeah. is fake. Well, I would even say the same thing with social media, because social media mm-hmm. is now where you go to get real. You know, so and so celebrities going live, and this is the real thing. It's like none of that's even real. Oh God, no! You they, know? they sit there and. You know, they'll spend an hour and a half putting makeup on. Yeah. Then they'll take a picture, but they'll take that picture ten different times just to get the right lighting, and then they, oh, yeah, I woke up this way. No, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't yeah. wake up that <laughs> way. I mean, I think even, like, people, uh, I, I mean, you, you look in, like, restaurants or coffee shops. The people that'll sit there and, you know, it's, it's a cup of coffee or it's a, you know, a plate of lasagna, and they position it perfectly. You know, and they're sitting there taking pictures and like, oh, no, let me get on the ground. One knee, two knees. Oh, let me go up top. Oh, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Like, yeah. personally, I could give two craps what you're having to eat, you know, on your date out with your husband. Yeah. Go enjoy a date out with your husband. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't need to see it. I don't care about it. Yeah. But when you think about the other end, I mean, that's why you see these depression rates skyrocketing, yep. right? Because everything you're seeing on the other end has been staged. It's not real. You're getting a, high, a highlight reel of everyone else's lives. And everything looks like, and then you're like, whoa, my life. What's like, wrong I'm, with me? I'm here at my house changing diapers, and I got throw up all over me from my kid. Yeah. I got, you know, you know, the guy coming to collect the bills. Like, my life sucks. And <laughs> that's why it's like, no, no, no. Those people, they, they, it, it's all happy and great. Yep. No, those people are just as sad as you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that, that's and for that's sure. like the life lesson. Like, would you rather be happy driving a Camry or depressed driving a Ferrari? And having to maintain that lifestyle. Like, you have to put yeah. those pictures out. Because if you don't, yeah, then people are going to judge. People are going to think, oh, my God, what happened to him? What happened to him? Yeah. Um, what, what about... So um, yeah, what do you got? So, Super Bowl. Mm. I was thinking about this the other day. Chiefs. Like, I've been a Broncos fan. So, like, I've always hated the Chiefs. But now I'm kind of at the place in life where, like, football's not a very big deal to me. I used to be all into fantasy. Yep. Every I was... Had NFL Sunday ticket. I was trying to watch every game. I had to see my Broncos. Um, but, you know, I'll still watch the Super Bowl. And I was thinking, like, I'd just like to get your perspective on this. If there was one rule change hmm. 
in the NFL that you would like to see? Take some time to think about it, but like, what would be the thing that you think would make football just awesome? If you could have one rule change. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can uh, drill it down to one. Okay. Um, you want to hear my thought? I do. Okay. So after a touchdown, you get six points. Right now, you have the option to go for one. Yep. The extra point, which they move back, which I think is cool because yep. it creates a little bit of drama, right? Or you can go for two. I was thinking, what if you could go for six after six, and the six is a 60-yard field goal? Ooh, that'd be cool. Right? Yeah. So you could be down, like, 24 points in a fourth quarter and think, well, if we could just get two touchdowns and two 60-yard field goals, we'd tie the game. we back in this. <laughs> but there's only been a few 60-yard field goals that have ever been made, like, in history. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, would it's that cr- Would that make kickers just, like, like that would just change the game in yep. terms of the type of kicker you would have. Well, they'd be the ones getting tested for steroids all the time, yeah. right? They'd not, I, make I a ton of be, money. I like, think it'd be awesome. It? I mean, it's uh, it's funny though because not to not to bring this back to uh, the genius of Vince McMahon, but the XFL starts up this weekend. Okay. And one of the rules that they have is there's no extra points. So okay. you can start. I forget how it breaks down. I think it's like you can start from after a touchdown, you know, six points. You can get one point if you you know start with the ball at the five yard line. You can get two points if you take it at the ten, or you can go to the twenty five and get three points. Well, that's interesting. It's I interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah. So and and they got rid of all. Basically, there's it's just football, right? It's more playing the game. They're they're saying that the game itself is going to take about thirty minutes less okay. than the NFL does right now. Is it the same size field? Same size field. Yeah, they're actually playing. Uh, so D- I think there's six or eight teams total. Okay. Uh, DC's team is playing at um, what is it, Audi Field, where the uh, DC United plays. Hmm. But you can get the, the other thing is pricing, right? So pricing is a big thing with that. Is they they have the pricing set up to where a family of four can spend less than a hundred dollars to go to a game, which that's cool. I think that's awesome, right? Because yeah. I mean, geez, I went to. I went to the Giants skins game, you know, towards the end of the season. Parking alone was eighty five bucks. Yeah. To park. Yeah. Which is crazy to me, right? Yeah. Um, but then I had the tickets, luckily I had to pay for those. I think my buddy picked those up. But yeah. I mean it, I, I would never take four kids to an NFL football game. Yeah. Because you're gonna spend, you know, five hundred bucks just to see a game. Yeah. Which and is the crazy. seat for the five hundred, uh, it's not. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. The TV yeah. experience is so much better than a seat way up high. I mean, unless you're just in it for the the atmosphere and you just want to experience the atmosphere. But it, you for know, the game it, itself, it's yeah. it's crazy, man. I mean, but but I think you know, I, I like I like I'd like to see a sixty yard field goal. That'd, that'd be that'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah. Right, because you because it would rarely happen. Yeah, It'd yeah be guys just kicking They're as like, hard as they we'll could, and it'd always be somewhere like. <laughs> Every once in a while, you'd have like, oh man, they're down by five. As the buzzer's running out, here comes the six yard. But you gotta think, I mean, if, if, you know, instead of trying to block that kick, you just have, you know, your 11 fastest guys on defense lined up like at the goal line, they catch the ball, run it back for a touchdown. That that makes it exciting too, because it's almost yeah. like a kickoff, but not. Yeah. I mean, that'd, that'd be cool. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I, I think, uh, I don't know, one rule. I, I miss the days of football being real physical, right? Like I think that's uh, the other one I was thinking. It, it's just it's getting. Look, there's a there's a risk that you take playing the game of football, right? Yeah. You know you're going to get hit. You know you're going to get hurt. 
Yeah, it's like boxing. And it's just, it's crazy how, you know, you take quarterbacks, for instance. Yeah. Quarterback takes off, and they're running. And if they're sliding, or they might slide, or they think they're going to slide in their head, and somebody hits them, there's a penalty. Yeah. Right? And, and you can watch half the replays that flags are thrown when quarterbacks are hit. They were not sliding. Yeah. They were running. They were lowering their shoulder. But somehow they'll say, well, no, he was he had the intention of sliding. And I think it takes the fun out of the game. Right? I it's completely like, agree. Quarterback should be treated the exact same yeah. as every single person on that field. Think, think of guys back in the day, right? Think of, like, you know, Roger Stahlbach. I mean, do you think he would sit there and make the argument, oh, don't touch me, oh, don't yeah. touch me? No, that's, yeah. that's part of the game. When John Elway got out of the pocket, you know? He was, was dangerous. Hit, Randall Cunningham, like, you had to take him out. Yeah. Randall Cunningham, man. That guy ran all over the place. Yeah. It's all because of Tom Brady. Damn it. <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> the Brady. Everything that's wrong in the NFL <laughs> goes back to Brady. All right, let me get, let me get your thoughts on something. Okay. Um... The state, the state of the union address. All right? Dude, I was going to ask you about this. And, and we'll even, we'll this even, was on my list. We'll just, we'll just keep it at that. I won't even ask anything else. Just state of the union address. Okay, my my initial thoughts are: Why do we have two children leading this country? Yep. Speaker of the House and a president who literally act like children at every opportunity, and that's not political. I mean, that's both parties. That's. Yep. It's it's insane. If my so my eleven year old ran for student body president of his fifth grade class this year. Oh, that's awesome. He didn't win, but he was like he got he did his thing. He was in the running. I was like I was just proud of him that he wanted to put his hat in the ring. If there had been some sort of um, speech by the kid that gave his um, acceptance speech for being the fifth grade president, and my son had gotten a. little bit of that speech and ripped it up in front of the class, we would have had a serious conversation about his attitude. But yet we have the leaders of the free world ripping up a speech in a way that just goes to show just hatred. Yep. <laughs> it was, and it wasn't like, you could see on her face how much she despised the guy. And But the other thing I thought was like, for Trump, man, it's like the old like Dennis Rodman versus Karl Malone. Rodman would just poke him all game yep. long. He'd always be in his ear. Then Malone would haul off and like punch him, and it's gonna it, it impacted Malone. He'd get the flagrant. So Trump's got this way of just getting under people's oh, skin. He's, he's a master. Yeah, <laughs> he gets under. His, I mean, in the middle of the speech, he's, uh, and through the week, he's tweeting about her. He's saying little things during the speech about California, like all this little stuff. And he know. I think he just knows that she's gonna do something. And of course she does. And how does it look to the American population? This yep. lady is as petty as can be childish and so her thinking she's doing something to show him is going to have major ramifications for the party that, that's that's exactly it i mean i yeah. just think you know to your point it's it, it is children right and it's and it's not just the two of them it's all these people that are defending you know the fact that oh well she ripped it up because it was crap like whatever was on there it doesn't matter what was on there the point is you know be, be a grown-up like have some dignity right and, yeah and and again, she knew exactly what she was doing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, she, she probably practiced that, you know, <laughs> yeah. for for days leading up to that, yeah. right? Like that wasn't like a yeah. impromptu. Oh, I, this is what I'm going to do. You didn't just think of that, you know, yeah. on a whim. Yeah, you, that was that political was, think tanks. Yeah. That <laughs> she was probably thinking about that since last State of the Union because she didn't rip up that one. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's uh, it's it's amazing how, I mean, we're talking about people that, dude. I mean, yeah, they're in their seventies. Mm-hmm. Come on, like. 
grow up. I yeah. Mean, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, but, but then you got to think of it in, you know, in, in society. How many other people of the same age in companies, right? How many people that you know, family members that, that are the same way? They're so stubborn and so yeah. stuck in their ways of, yeah. no, this is right, this is right, this is right. It may be right. But yeah. hey, let's let's talk through it, right? Yeah. Not not yell at each other. Not, uh, I mean, how many times do you see arguments happen? And I tell my kids this: anytime you get in arguments with people, as soon as somebody starts picking on you and like you know, say, "Oh, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're this," they lost the argument, yeah, right. And and that's usually what happens when you know you have no facts or the other person is making really good points and you're like, ah, "Yeah, you're you're fat, you're stupid, you don't know anything," and I walk yeah. away. Yeah. But the problem is with, with these guys right now, they, they go straight to that. Mm-hmm. It's straight to, you know, the finger pointing. You wear a wig or you have false teeth. It's like, man, like, and, and I'm yeah. sure it's always been going on, right? Yeah. I think they just, they glorify it now. But that's your reality TV, right? It's, yeah. you, know, you turn on the news. This is all you see is, is everybody is just so opinionated. Everybody yeah. on both sides, yeah. all sides, like yeah. whatever it is. And, and I may agree with most of what some of them say. Yeah. But then they just they say stuff and they go, oh yeah, I have a hard time getting behind that one, guys. Yeah. Like, like, but but yeah. the thing is, they surround themselves with people, they're 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 yes men, right? Yeah. They're yes women. All they do is, oh yeah, boss, that's right. Yo, you showed him. Oh yeah, you showed her. No, like somebody's got to have a set there and jump in and go, hey, uh, Mr. President, that it's probably not the right thing to do. Like, you know, but everybody's so afraid yeah. Yeah. to do that because they want to be of part the ego. of the Because you're dealing with a dude that's got this massive ego. And it, you know, when you think about it, like people always would say about Obama, Trump, like these guys are just like out of control egos. And it's like, well, of course, they wanted to be president of the United States. Sure. Any president, JFK, you go all the way back, like you got to have some ego, right? <laughs> like, they're going to have a little bit, man. Yeah, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, like I'm sure they're all very, you know, you got to have that big ego. Um, but it's just funny how it plays out, right? And, it, and how the people that, think they're a follower of a certain party it's not about policy anymore oh, it's yeah. always about personality because the you know the the bush like people died in iraq and dropping you know and then it, obama gets in and he's dropping hellfires on people and you know carrying on the same wars but then it's okay but then trump gets in and he wants to get out of wars but now wait the party that was for yeah, no yeah, war yeah, yeah, yeah. now says he's you know screwing things up when he wants to get out like no it's always this back and forth yeah. and it's like whoever your president is it's okay but it's not you either believe something or you don't. No, it's it's pledge allegiance to the party, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's that's the problem. And, and that's I mean, really, if you look at you know, take it to a bigger picture. I mean, you look at every great society that's ever been. It's always come down to that. It's always you know, you're you're either with us or you're against us. It's not the whole. It's not what's best for everyone. You know, they they get uh, you know, they're all little ulterior motives. Yeah. You know, to go after. Yeah, man. Well, I think uh, I think it's about time to wind down. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's right. Head, uh, Good stuff. Head out, man. I appreciate everything. Sorry I was running a little late. It's all good. We'll uh, catch you guys on the flip side. All right. Bye.